Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's news talk radio, TNT. All righty. Hour two, we got coming up guest Lee Slusher. I first had him on the program I think it's almost exactly one year ago, October, November, 2022. Uh, and then he kind of got big uh, going on some of the podcast programs, uh, security expert. Uh, so that's going to be a great uh, program. And Marty Bentz, uh, popular podcaster and financial dude, uh, actually, I think Lee Slusher was on his podcast. Uh, he tweets out, Marty Bent tweets out that enjoy the calm before the storm. The banks are structurally insolvent and their ship is in the process of sinking. I had, who was it today? I think someone on one of my feeds comments. Uh, yeah, one of my listeners on Twitter mentioned. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Something about a bank. They said, uh, here it is, talked to a Scotia Bank director over the weekend who told me no loans were being made. The system is frozen. So, yeah, we're getting close, I guess, to crossing the Rubicon, to the reckoning when it comes uh, to the financial situation. U.S. troops dispatched to secure Israel's top secret nuclear facilities, according to our reports. U.S. officials, uh, well, U.S. troops have re reportedly been dispatched to help secure Israel's highly sensitive nuclear facilities, including the top secret site at Dimona, the alleged birthplace of Israel's suspected nuclear arsenal. So uh, again, that is kind of concerning when we're getting to, you know, when they're needing to do something like this. So that's going on. Um, we also have escalations uh again continuing from the iranian backed houthi rebels in yemen as we mentioned before uh there was this attack hijacking of an israeli linked cargo ship which took over two dozen hostages uh, missiles fired plus one-way attack drones intercepted by u.s destroyers and i think a 30 million dollar u.s reaper drone was shot down so if you were wondering wondering where your tax Tax money is is going well. It just disappeared into the ocean. <laughs> there you go. $30 million, poof, gone into the ocean. Like Bin Laden, right? 2009, Bin Laden just stopped. They, but they dropped his body, supposedly, in the Indian Ocean, I think. Uh, right, yeah, sure. Um, and a lot, again, a lot of signals I'm picking up that are concerning. Uh, France successfully tests strategic ballistic missile uh, without nuclear load. Uh, for the first time, uh, I guess th th this type of missile, uh, France said it successfully tested without a nuclear load the M51.3 strategic missile over the weekend on Saturday. The French defense, French defense ministry said the launch took place from a site in the Landes region in southwestern France. The missile was tracked through its flight phase and fallout area located in the North Atlantic, several hundred kilometers from any coast. Uh, so you got that, and then you've got Japan uh, approved to buy 400 Tomahawk cruise missiles for 
35 billion when you think about it 400 missiles only for 2.35 billion that's pretty expensive the deal would give Japan a new offensive punch in of course arrestive region so you've got that uh, and then I only found one source real quick for this it was not widely reported Putin stages nuclear drills with white swan bombers close to UK waters Putin held a nuclear drill with supersonic bombers just north of the Shetland Islands in a terrifying show show of force to the west newly released photos show the Tupolev two 160s also known as the white swans flying alongside Tupolev um for more than 13 hours so it's just kind of concerning all these governments from France uh, doing tests Russia Japan buying uh, missiles and then Newsweek reports that uh Solovyov Russia one TV host uh, warned nuclear war is unavoidable but that it won't lead to the collapse of humanity by citing previous nuclear blasts in the recent debate on state TV he justified his view by saying that a nuclear strike would not lead to widespread death and destruction if used against a non-nuclear nation perhaps a foreboding hint at the ongoing invasion of Ukraine uh so that's going on the People's Bank of China and the Saudi Central Bank recently signed a local currency swap agreement worth almost seven billion dollars again more de-dollarization multipolarity news and Maldives China friendly president makes official requests to India to withdraw military personnel Maldives president officially requested India withdraw its military personnel from the archipelago uh a day after being sworn in so it seems like the winds there are blowing towards Be Beijing um because the Maldives I think joined uh Belt and Road uh during the 2013-2018 presidency Zelensky fears a new Maidan the Ukrainian president has reportedly claimed there were there may be Moscow inspired mass protests in Kiev well let's be clear here Zelensky Maidan was Washington and Brussels inspired mass protests so if you're talking about another Maidan it's not going to be Moscow inspired but this guy's just saying everything now he's saying Russia's going to start war in the Balkans um there's going to be a new Maidan uh again I don't know what's what's going on with this guy the boy who cried wolf Pakistan and Iran are going to jointly develop a gas pipeline implementation plan again more multipolar news there and yeah that's that's uh the gist of it why not give TNT radio a follow we're on all the major social platforms including Facebook Twitter X Instagram Gab Getter help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on TNT radio your voice heard here the government needs to step up and do its job today's news talk radio TNT the United States Army has reportedly informed former service members who were released over a COVID-19 vaccine refusal that they have the opportunity now to correct their military records and possibly rejoin the forces if they so wish is this an act of repentance on the part of the army or a sign of desperation as the number of new 
new recruits is dwindling here with the story joining me once again is tnt radio news producer adam clark aka ruckus thanks Arbori. um yeah the the former members were informed via a letter i i don't know that's i mean who sends letters these days well apparently the, the army does uh this letter was from brigadier general and director of military personnel management hope c rampy which uh, the letter states that the soldiers could have their records changed at their request. Uh, the letter begins, quote, Dear former service member, isn't that cute? Quote, we write to notify you of new Army guidance regarding the correction of military records for former members of the Army following rescission of the COVID-19 vaccination requirement as a result of the rescission of all current COVID-19 vaccination requirements. Former soldiers who were involuntarily separated for refusal to receive the COVID-19 vaccination may request a correction of their military records from either or both the Army Discharge Review, Bar, uh, Review Board, the ADRB, or the Army Board for Correction of Military Records, the ABCMR. Uh, it further states, quote, individuals may request a correction to military personnel records, including records regarding the characterization of discharge, end quote. Uh, the letter adds that, well, it notes that former personnel could reapply through their local recruiters, uh, I believe. Yeah, quote, individuals who desire to apply to return to service should contact their local Army, U.S. Army Reserve or Army National Guard recruiter for more information, end quote. Uh, the letter was uh, reportedly confirmed as being authentic by the Army to the media outlet Task and Purpose, which also stated that a spokesman said it was not immediately clear whether any rejoining soldiers would be able to return to their former units. Now, as for the timing of this uh, and why, because uh, I don't think they're necessarily that sorry. I hope they are. I always like it when people are sorry. Uh, but in early October 2023, CNN reported that just 43 out of more than 8,000 service members who were booted for their vaccine refusals had rejoined. After reportedly missing its recent recruitment goal by nearly 15,000, the land forces made up the difference using recruits from its delayed entry program. The Army also reportedly planned to change the way it prospects for recruits by expanding beyond high school graduates. By 2028, it aims to have a third of its new soldiers have more than a high school degree. Uh, this all comes at the same time that the Defense Department uh, had some data released. It showed that 68% of active duty military members are overweight or obese. The obesity category has more than doubled in the previous decade. Um, and then in addition to all of this, you may have noticed the Army's changed its advertising strategy to focus on recruitment and lean away from woke and progressive talking points since the summer of this year 2023 new promotions have chronicled the first steps in the recruitment process and have been void of gender and race related messaging so there we have it harori desperate times call for desperate measures that you mean we gotta we gotta take these refuseniks back uh it would appear that that's their that's their uh their new game plan harori what do you think yeah, I think it's a, a bit of a little bit of both that maybe some in the defense establishment administration and whatnot are repentant. A few, maybe, maybe now, you know, people are looking back and saying, 
we might have kind of screwed up all those um COVID dissidents I think they were onto something uh but I also think that they, they obviously they need new recruits um and you know for I've known people in the past who've worked in in the military as you know at different levels and it, it's I mean you, if you're in that career it, it, it could it's it's a good pay you know if you've if you if you've made your career in the navy military air force whatever um but at this point if you were canceled because you refused the pentagon juice if you, you if you refuse to inject the pentagon juice in your veins um maybe it's time to move on uh you know even for i've been wondering how could i trust an employer who would behave like this you know my my past two former places of employment uh, in education they carried out this same thing and uh, i've had colleagues again fired uh because they refused to inject the the pentagon juice at the, my two former places of employment and it's just like how could i trust an employer like that you know it, in, in you know maybe they sign up and then in three months you know they declare tedros the terrorist declares a new pandemic yeah uh, you know and then here we go again uh but so you know for me it comes down to integrity and this sort of stuff so maybe it's time to roll out the universal soldiers you know Jean-Claude Jean -Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren this was a great film in the 90s uh but you know roll out the robot dogs the autonomous drone swarms uh you know maybe they're not quite there yet to roll out the universal soldiers so they're like we still need some analog humans uh for now uh your further thoughts Rikus. Yeah, you know, I was always concerned that the ultimate solution to low recruits, uh, new recruits in the army, or just the loss of any manpower in any industry, let alone the military industrial complex. Um, yeah, humans, who needs them? We got bots, man. Come on, man. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I think I reported here on this show, if I'm not mistaken, Harori, that the fact that only 43 or something like that out of the 8,000? Is that what the number was? It was shocking. Yeah, 43 out of 8,000 have decided not to go back. And I think I speculated uh, that maybe they found better opportunities because there is a lot of work these days for private contractors in the uh, field of military operations, if you know what I mean. So maybe they 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 didn't get the boot from Uncle Sam. They gave the boot to Uncle Sam, as it were. Who knows? Yeah, I think, again, there are opportunities in private um contracting when it comes for the defense or um even in companies not related to defense and so uh, also maybe some sanity is beginning to uh return into the administration as they see uh you know the Russian militaries uh advancing and Chinese and they're like all right guys we gotta we gotta take a step back this woke stuff has gone uh, too far you know maybe the pendulum is swinging back the other way last week I talked about this with Donnie Darkens uh as well as you know maybe it's going to be a, we're moving into a Trump presidency and so maybe you know a little we're, we're going the pendulum is swimming swinging back the other way so I guess uh we'll we shall see all right thanks Ruckus for that story we got uh hey maybe I can get a comment on this from Lee Slusher who worked in the military industrial complex for a quarter of a century he'll be joining us phone lines are open as well uh, you can leave questions for lee in the chat or email me during the the, the talk so i i can ask uh, lee if you're too shy to we'll be right back
TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Homeland Security was built with an emphasis of protecting this country. What it's turned into under the Obama years is the targets of terrorists coming into the U.S. after 9-11 were switched. The targets now are the good American people. Anybody that's God-loving or if you go to a school board and you happen to say, hey, I don't want my kids being pushed pornography in the school. This stuff's being pushed on our children and people that went to these school boards and said something they're being targeted by this government this obama the biden government same with the catholic church people that have gone to these uh, abortion clinics and prayed they have been targeted one individual uh, had a, a large family one morning on a saturday morning they attacked his house uh, the fbi and police scammed knocked down his door parted him away and his, his crime was that he was praying at abortion clinics basically that's who's being targeted by this biden obama regime joe hoft on tnt radio I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me, and I was trying to figure it out, and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. Returning to the transmission is Lee Slusher, international strategic security expert with nearly 25 years of analytical and operational experience supporting the U.S. intelligence community and special ops as well as the private sector his career took him to many hot spots like afghanistan iraq ukraine taiwan he's got a he holds a strategic security master's degree from george washington university and is a three-time alumni of the defense language institute where he studied russian i'm going to say croato serbian or serbian croatian <laughs> <laughs> Farsi uh, you can yeah. you can find him at deep dive with Lee Slusher.substack.com his link tree is linktr.ee slash Lee Slusher and Lee BT consulting on Twitter X how are you doing Lee I'm doing well how are you I'm doing good uh it's been a I can't recall a few months since we had you on uh, TNT. You've been on my podcast. I think it was uh, maybe a year ago I had you for a first time on here, TNT, October or November 2022. Um, a lot is 
going on but i thought maybe I'd, I'd get just your take on the the story that ruckus and i covered just before you joined about the u.s army sending a letter to soldiers who were booted <clears throat> from service for refusing the covid vaccine and they're now telling these soldiers hey you know you can we, we can fix the record you can you can come back what's your take are is, is the u.s military desperate now for new recruits your thoughts on uh this yes absolutely i have a fairly long-running twitter thread in which i find uh, articles that further substantiate my my view that there is a substantial uh recruiting problem and every now and then i, I plug one in there and the covid issue is only the latest one i mean there are others where for example the basic entry test, it was called the ASVAB when I joined. I don't know if it's still called that, but soldiers or applicants will be allowed to use calculators instead of doing basic math. Or there were other instances of the Army creating essentially a camp to get people into shape well enough to go to basic training or <clears throat> to get them up to speed kind of academically or cognitively well enough to pass the test. So there's a long string of these problems or of these indicators of a, a serious problem. And I think the fact that they're begging the people they kicked out to come back is uh, very, very telling. All right. So we were pretty good, uh, Ruckus and I, on our uh, assessment then. And uh, so much is, is going on. And uh, again, I would um, recommend people check out uh, Lee's Twitter X uh, and uh, the Substack because many uh, of your projections have come out to be correct, you know, whether, as we talked previously, when there was Prigozhin and, uh, and Ukraine, uh, but, you know, to get your thoughts, maybe on the global security situation, uh, maybe we could start with Israel, Palestine this time, which, uh, you know, a <clears> lot of people are fearing a, a third world war, this possible being a pretext to launch uh, a war with Iran, which the neocons have been dreaming of openly, yeah, you know, from the Bush administration, right on through. Uh, so your thoughts on the situation in the Middle East? Well, there certainly are many people in the U.S. who would like that war, and they make no secret of it, the war with Iran, I mean. Um, the, the reason that this conflict is so um, tricky to discuss is because there are so many different actors. It's not just the U.S. and Israel. It's not just Iran and the so-called resistance, axis of resistance with Syria and Hezbollah and the like, or Russia with its bases. There are also the prominent uh, Shia countries in the region. And so if we look at Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Egypt, these countries all ban the Muslim Brotherhood. And Hamas is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, even though since they parted ways, they've had some conflict, but one is still an, Hamas is still an offshoot. And so the powerful Shia countries have an incentive to not see this spread too. And uh, I suspect that in that first ever call between Riyadh and uh, Tehran, that that was probably one of the, the things they discussed. Um, but the it, I just saw that Houthis are now uh, essentially hijacking Israeli owned and flagged ships as well. So the problem here is that there are so many flashpoints with so many different actors that things, the people who are trying to maybe prevent some kind of escalation don't have the kind of uh, leverage that they would have had, like or that they had, for example, in, in Ukraine, where they were funneling everything kind of into one country with the assumption that that Russia would uh, would respond in a very specific way. But here, things really could touch off. I mean, there's I know, like I just said, some of the prominent forces in the region are, 
are pushing, I'm sure, behind the scenes quite strongly to prevent that kind of escalation. But the simple fact that the U.S. had to deploy all that firepower, not just the two carrier groups and the other ships and the Marine uh, Expeditionary Unit, but lots of combat aviation to air bases uh, in the region, that really we can derive from that a couple of things. So if the U.S., what capabilities did they send? Well, they basically sent a whole lot of strike capability between the aircraft uh, and the, the ballistic missiles, the you know the, the cruise missiles, and they sent a very small force that could help with uh, a non-combatant evacuation operation or, or NEO. That's where you go in and get the civilians out after uh, a situation is, is untenable for American civilians. But they didn't send anything else. So the whole deterrent factor here really comes down to we'll just, you know, bomb the daylights out of you, uh, axis of resistance, should you escalate? Well, if it does come to that, what next? What next if things were to go sideways, perhaps with anti-ship missiles or with aircraft being shot down or with Marines conducting this evacuation operation in a place like Lebanon? Uh, what next is it would take a long time for additional kind of uh, sea power to get there, less time for additional air power, but they'd still be restricted to these kind of strikes. And the forces, the ground forces that could be deployed would basically be light infantry, mainly paratroopers, special operations. So it's uh, it's a very precarious situation because if things don't stay calm, um, the U.S. and someone calls the U.S.'s bluff, then things get much messier, much, much faster. We could just send in Chuck Norris for Delta Force. Uh, <laughs> they'll just take care of uh, uh, everything. Uh, real quick, Lee, we're going to jump to our headlines. Now, TNT Radio News. News Flash! Yeah. Now, without further ado. TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. More than 500 OpenAI staffers are reportedly threatened to quit on Monday unless the company's embattled board of directors resigns over its surprise move on Friday to oust Sam Altman from the company. The state of Western Australia is bringing back mask mandates at public hospitals from November 20th. All staff and patients will now have to wear surgical masks in high-risk hospital clinical areas and in critical care settings. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. We're back with Lee Slusher. Do subscribe to his Substack, Deep Dive with Lee Slusher.substack.com on Twitter, X at Lee BT Consulting and his Linktree, Linktree slash Lee Slusher. We're talking about the Middle East. And, um, you know, if, if as you said, and I would totally uh, agree. Um, and of course, I'm, I'm deferring to you. You're here, you're the expert uh, here. There are just so many variables. It's not as simple, right, as Israel, Hamas. It's just so many things going on. People are talking about this Ben-Gurion Canal project. Uh, you know, someone unearthed this document from 1963, which was an assessment of using um, nuclear weapons to 
break ground to, to build this canal and it's just if we look at the rhetoric uh you know coming going back all the way to october 7th since the hamas attack um there's been talk by israeli government and others using nukes in gaza which kind of goes back to that 63 plan how convenient uh but again i think this some of the guests that i've had on this would only be maybe one var variable like i don't i wouldn't think this is all about ben gurion canal if even if that were um true um you know if you had to pick a few guiding threads here uh you know people are also talking about this desire by some uh extremist strains within israel um you know the issue could also be surrounding the temple mount right this desire to build a third uh, um temple on the temple mount al-aqsa um as we mentioned earlier that some in the pentagon you trying to build this pretext for war with iran what might be some guiding um reasons to help us figure out what's going on i what i said uh, what i've said since the the beginning uh last month is the notable lack of clarity in israel's goals so when they say they want to destroy hamas's capability to govern and its military capabilities what does that really mean i mean yes there is some formal structure there in terms of governance and they do have uh, kind of an irregular military force but it's not like they're going to meet on the deck of a battleship and sign a treaty so when israel says you know it's going to destroy them i think the fact that there isn't a very clear goal at least leads me to suspect that the goal might actually be kind of mass expulsion we've seen all of these reports recently of well the what you know the the rest of the world can easily absorb these two and a half million people and so my initial thought was of course what well, what are their real goals because they're not actually saying and as it's progressed to this really intense mass uh, bombing campaign that looks like it's going to move from the north of Gaza to the south and all of these articles from senior leaders talking about expulsion uh and before that talking about uh, you know tent cities in Sinai I think I would ask people to look in and what what is it they're actually doing versus what they're saying because at present I think they really are looking to push people out um and the settlements in the West Bank of course continue in fact many people have been arrested and, and even killed in the West Bank since the the October 7th so I wouldn't look for this I mean it, it's not strictly confined to Gaza it is there as well and even uh, last December uh, Netanyahu greenlit another 4,000 home settlement in the West Bank so I think this is they're they're capitalizing on the opportunity to kind of get as much uh ground or, or push as many Palestinians out as they can um that's one overarching thought um in terms of Hezbollah do, do they intervene or not I mean I certainly don't have a crystal ball the the attacks between the IDF and Hezbollah have intensified and as I understand it tens of thousands of Israeli citizens from the northern part of the country from those settlements have really have left the area and for as long as there's that Hezbollah threat there the, the area will likely remain lightly populated whether they get into a, a broader fight with Hezbollah or not um I think anyone's guess is as good as mine there yeah and I think it was an important point that you brought up earlier again the expulsion they've been talking about it and again there are documents going back decades um mm -hmm. I think one of them that's been discussed the Odidianon <clears throat> plan from the 1980s which specifically discussed um kicking the um Palestinians out of 
Gaza and to Egypt uh, and elsewhere. Um, what do you make? You know, I'm seeing reports today. Iran wants Russia to be more active in seeking Gaza peace. This is Iranian foreign minister. And then you've got now um, the Middle Eastern countries, Arab Islamic foreign ministers in Beijing. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm writing, reading this from Shen Shuei is a, a good source of information on, on Twitter. He says, why the deleg- Why did the delegation choose China as the first leg of their tour for international mediation matters? It shows deep trust in China and acknowledge China's impartial role in mediating Middle East issues. It, it just seems like things are being set up diplomatically to put the ball in China's court to sort of give, let China build more and more of this international uh, gravitas. What do you make of... Um, them going now to Beijing, and then plus we had the the, the uh, Xi Jinping in, in San Francisco recently with with Biden. Your your thoughts on this and and uh, China? I discussed it with a, a client shortly after the attacks in October, and this is essentially what I uh, expected to have happened: is that it would either be China or Russia. The U.S.'s position in the region is so incredibly diminished that really it only has influence in Israel. And I would argue that the influence there actually goes in the other direction. When we look at the kind of the influence of the pro-Israel lobby, which is incredibly effective in the United States, that the only country short of kind of militarily halting Israel or forcing it to come kind to, to make some kind of concessions, the US is the only country there that has any, any real influence. So any peace that is to be made is going to be made by way of Beijing or Moscow. Um, I, I would, my suspicion is the Saudis uh, want things to go through Beijing and lo- to kind of coincide with a lot of their other efforts with some of the new trade agreements and, and things like that. I think they agreed to uh, pay in local currencies for things other than oil. So I think it's just a continuation of that. I mean, it wasn't very long ago that MBS wouldn't even pick up the phone for Biden. And then when Biden showed up hat in hand, the MBS didn't give him what he wanted. So the U.S.'s influence is so constricted that other countries have to act, whereas before the U.S. would have been more of uh, kind of the standard setter for what the options are. But now countries like like I mentioned, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Egypt, they have their own reasons for for wanting to act here that are independent of anything to do with the United States, primarily with uh, keeping the peace and not allowing a you know a Muslim Brotherhood entity to kind of gain traction out, outside of where it already was. Um, so what I expect to see is a furtherance of what we're seeing now, that is these regional powers that are bringing in the other major global powers. But but I don't see the U.S. being a big part of that. Yeah, I, I would totally um, agree with that. And may, maybe to get your further thought, I'm just trying to figure out why the, the following is being allowed to, to happen. I don't know if you saw some of the video clips, uh, you know, Blinken, uh, if, you, if you study Blinken's face, while Biden is talking, uh, wherever it is, Blinken is just, you can see the horror on his face. Uh, and then Biden, I mean, he's like embar- the, the the president of the American empire is just completely an, an embarrassment. There's clips of him getting up during a diplomatic meeting with Xi Jinping and patting Xi Jinping on the back, which, you know, I, I studied at a school of diplomacy. I mean, there are protocols. Mm-hmm. First of all, 
just for that, you know, the protocol for that meeting, that's not something you, that you do. And then second of all, you know, according to Asian culture, a commentator was saying, again, you know, just they're not touchy feeling uh, like that. And so how do you sort of try to reason out, make sense of why the Washington or whoever's running Washington is allowing America to be so embarrassed? Or is that just, you know, as empires decline, this is just what happens? I think a lot of it has to do with the quality or lack thereof of many of the people in key positions. Um, I'd say including Blinken. I mean, he may have done well enough as a staffer, but that guy was definitely not ready for prime time in a position such as Secretary of State. I mean, if we go back and look at the way he behaved in Anchorage when he met his Chinese counterparts back during the initial part of his uh, his time as secretary, if we look at how he behaved uh, during the whole Afghanistan debacle, I mean, the guy constantly looks terrified. And it, sure, in, in some ways, international relations is a rather sophisticated affair, but in other ways, it's a giant schoolyard and you have to project some kind of confidence and competence. And, and he simply doesn't do that. Um, you and I have talked before about the, the kind of the type of people who are in these positions. I think that they inherited this uh, sort of turbo America of the post-Cold War era in which the U.S. had tremendous military superiority. There wasn't really a threat to the global currency. The U.S.'s standing was growing, not shrinking. And they still think that they have that same machinery. Like they're still running by a same playbook where the U.S. can just get its way. And all the insider accounts I hear is that it's incredibly... Um, kind of vicious and vindictive. I mean, threats made against uh, people personally in, in diplomatic settings, or I just, I don't think we have the quality of statesmen that that we once did. And, and we're seeing the consequences of that. It's definitely downhill. Uh, hopefully something changes next year. Um, someone had a question in the chat. I mentioned earlier, that us was had dispatched troops to israel to secure i think around demona the nuclear facilities um you know any any thoughts uh on that and then whether i mean there's been talk about now nato i think blinken said nato troops to administer the situation in the gaza which is pretty crazy or you know un uh and then any thoughts on a one state or two state solution well, I think any Western troops, whether they're American, NATO, or otherwise, uh, that would be a disaster, putting them in Gaza. Uh, it's the West that has kind of propped up Israel, you know, that has uh, tre treated the Palestinians in a certain way. So I don't think that would be acceptable. But it, unless the Israelis are pushed into making some kind of concession, I don't really foresee them allowing other people to come in as some kind of peacekeeping force. I think their intent is to, I mean, even Gallant, the defense minister, said it the other day, that security from the Jordan River to the sea will be under Jewish control. So I, I don't, I think it's a complete non-starter for the Israelis to allow some kind of international force. Um, as far as the one state, two state, my view is that Israel's early leaders were very forthright about the nature of their political project, whether it's David Ben-Gurion, Moshe Dayan, all of them, they all said some variation of, this is ours, we're taking it, we will displace the Palestinians, and that's essentially how it's going to be. And that hasn't changed. Whether somebody supports Israel or not, that's the simple reality of what they said and their actions 
have backed that up all these decades. I mean, even with like last year with the additional settlement in the, in the West Bank that I mentioned. So I don't think there's any intent uh, among the Israeli leadership to allow anything other than an extension, uh, like a solidifying of the status quo of Israeli superiority, of continued settlements in the West Bank, and now when this campaign is over, of Israeli control in Gaza. It would take, Israel of course can can take an uncompromising position because it has the US at its back, not only for weapons and money, but also for um, international top cover, particularly at the UN. It would take some change in that dynamic for Israel to give up on its more maximalist demands, I think. So I, yeah. I think barring that, it's Israel's going to hit the accelerator. Yeah, I, I've been coming to the same conclusion again. I think you're spot on because if you read, we go back to the founding, you read all these different documents and plans going back decades, your non-plan, all this stuff. But what you just explained, that's been their goal, a greater Israel expansionist a project and so with the assistance of of uh, the united states and that just seems like it's going to stay that way uh they're just going to be pushing forward come hell or high water it's time for our break again lee's website deep dive with lee slusher.substack.com link tree that's link tr dot ee slash lee slusher he's also um, has a consulting service we'll be right back with his expert analysis and opinion. This is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Who says legislation isn't a contact sport? We nearly came to blows today in the United States Senate as Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma squared off against Sean Butterbean O'Brien, the general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. O'Brien had been very critical of Mullen on X, tweeting, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. Mark Wayne Mullen read that tweet and said, here is a place, not now is a time you want to go? And Butterbean said, let's go. Cooler heads like Bernie Sanders intervened. They weren't going to come to blows anyway. This wasn't quite the caning of abolitionist Republican Senator Charles Sumner by pro-slavery Democrat Senator Preston Brooks of South Carolina in 1856, but it was good to see a Republican show a little spine, show a little enthusiasm for his position. Now, if we can only get Mark Wayne as focused on election integrity efforts and on budgetary issues as he is on posts on X. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve, healing, nurturing, rescuing, protecting, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations has never been more important, and it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you, the Nonprofit Alliance. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's our final segment with Lee Slusher, an international strategic security expert with nearly 25 years of analytical and operational experience supporting the U.S. Intel community and special ops, as well as private sector. Deep dive with LeeSlusher.substack.com, Lee BT Consulting on Twitter 
X. Maybe to go back to Ukraine for a moment, Lee, something we've been talking about the past year to get your sort of assessment of where things uh, are at. You've got Zelensky talking about uh, Russia-sponsored new Maidan in Kiev. Um, I guess he needs to check his history because the original Maidan was Washington, Brussels sponsored. uh, And then he's talking about a new war breaking out in the Balkans, uh, Russia sponsored, uh, uh, of course, um, you know, just I'm, I'm reading uh, today, I think Russia did a nuclear test over the weekend. You've got um, Russia One TV host Vladimir Solovyov uh, talking about nuclear war is going to happen. Uh, and again, a lot of this is hyped up rhetoric by the media, both Russian and Western. But your, your thoughts on where we are? at uh, when it comes to ukraine and the u.s russia war which is essentially what what this is is so the talk in the western media right now is of a stalemate but that's simply inaccurate it's not a stalemate when one side can continue indefinitely with overmatch in all areas particularly in things like artillery and the other side is nearing collapse so which is precisely how I would assess the current state of the Ukrainian military. I know Zaluzhny came out and said, oh, it's it's stalemated. But the, in reality, uh, that's a brief snapshot in time. It, th- this is not a stalemate. And ultimately, Zelensky, I think, will have to flee or face some kind of a coup. Um, he's Russia will resolve this war on its own terms, which will be terms that aren't going to be palatable in Kiev or in Washington or in Brussels. And uh, this will be a situation in which Russia can ensure its key interests are met without having to rely on any Western powers because there's no trust left at all. So Zelensky, particularly now that the war in uh, in Gaza is going on, I mean, e- even before then, but but especially since that started, e- even people like Kirby are saying, oh, well, it's, it's not indefinite, our support to Ukraine. I mean, he's, they're signaling from Washington that we can't do this indefinitely, um, which we could never do in the first place. But now it's even more immediate. And e- even before the the war in Gaza, I mean, there was a lot of talk of them kind of sitting Zelensky down toward the end of the year and saying, hey, like, this just isn't working. I mean, the, the counteroffensive really achieved nothing but the loss of tremendous life and the destruction of a lot of the material that got pledged back in January at Ramstein. Um, my general view all along has been in a war between Russia and Ukraine, Russia wins. Uh, in a war between Russia and NATO in Ukraine, a proxy war, Russia wins, but with a lot more destruction for everyone, especially Ukraine. And that's what we're seeing unfold to people who think that, well, if if Russia is going to win, why, you know, why is there this slow grinding fight? Because that's the nature of high intensity combat with enormous armies slugging it out with artillery and trying to take trenches and and go through minefields. That's why that and the fact that um, I think I think Russia expects that there would be some kind of coup, change of leadership. Zelensky might leave, or or the the Ukrainian military just might collapse uh, on its own weight. In which case, they don't necessarily have to fight and and kill and destroy. They they could probably find uh, whoever his the Zelensky regime successor is and kind of negotiate this type of settlement that would be uh, very amenable to Russia and on um, much better terms for Russia than the ones Russia proposed in April of last year. Yeah, that's uh, 
a fair uh, assessment and maybe to move eastward to the Indo-Pacific, <clears throat> which has been concerning for me as well. I'm sure you read Badra Kumar, the retired Indian diplomat, Indian mm -hmm. punchline. Uh, he's got fascinating insights as, as of late, especially. Uh, but I think he his assessment is that India has now swung to the Washington camp. Uh, and then we're seeing, you know, Philippines really solidifying itself in the uh, Washington camp, uh, Japan militarizing, um, you know, all, all these different uh, movements. Uh, I think China recently also re reiterated basically that at some point they're going to reintegrate Taiwan. Uh, you know, what are some of your broad thoughts as to what's most important what, uh, regarding what's going on in the Indo-Pacific arena? Uh, China's view is uh, stated policy has always been one of peaceful but eventual reunification with Taiwan. I understand some people may say that Taiwan was born after and was never formally a part of the CCP. Sure. But you understand what I'm saying. Island and mainland together via uh, eventual peaceful reunification. I think that's China's goal. I don't think they want to get into a war or wreck the island of Formosa um, unless their hand is is really forced. So there's a lot of uh, the U.S. has been trying to build various alliances or ramp up existing ones in the region out of this um, in a deterrent strategy, though. Absent some kind of uh, declaration of independence or greater kind of Western military move in and around the island, I think China is content to let this play out. Uh, many things, a great many things are going their way. They're not seen as the belligerent in much of the world as the U.S. is for the past several decades. I think absent some someone really forcing China's hand, they would let it uh, kind of play out naturally. And by naturally, this always upsets some of my colleagues because I spent a few years working with Taiwan to help them revamp their defense plans. Um, I mean, if China wanted to take the island, China could take the island. I'm aware of all the military difficulties, I'm not saying it would be easy, uh, but ultimately it's it's kind of theirs to lose. Yeah, a, a number of guests that I've had on, I, I keep saying, you know, earlier this year, I went to a conference uh, I got to briefly meet General Robert Spaulding. Uh, he was based in um, China in the 2010s. He said, like, there's nothing we can do with Taiwan. It's it's China's. Uh, and just a number of people keep repeating this. People people like yourself, uh, you know, who, who have experience in this field. Um, you know, and, and I'd agree with what you said as well. Things are going <clears throat> China's way overall slowly. So it would just be wiser to bide. If, if I were China, just bide my time. Let the West commit seppuku right or, or however you want to mm -hmm. say it fall on fall on their sword um you know I, i've got a few other talking points but is there anything else uh that i haven't brought up that that sort of interests you uh regarding what's going on you know there are many other flash points you know armenia azerbaijan but what are some other uh, things that are kind of uh, interested in, um, interesting to you well, Armenia-Azerbaijan is what I was going to bring up because I did a, a big study of the, the 2020 war. Um, and short answer there is Azerbaijan has overwhelming military superiority with the, the weapons it gets from Israel and Turkey and the military assistance it gets specifically from Israel. The, the one-day war we saw, uh, I think it was in, a couple of months ago, 
basically it was only one day because it was it was unfinished business from the 2020 war which was an incredibly lopsided victory in favor of azerbaijan so right now azerbaijan wants uh essentially armenia to, to hand over these these seven additional districts and i i think ultimately that'll that'll likely happen um about the balkans i mean i know people for decades now have been talking about the return of conflict to the balkans but the point i'd like to stress is the western created status quo the one for for bosnia herzegovina and the one in kosovo are completely unnatural and they're and they continue strictly based on uh not essentially the the explicit threat of of a military intervention to keep them together so let's play that out a little bit uh economic decline overstretched military in western countries particularly with what's going on in in the eu without uh, russian gas i think on a long enough timeline the the artificial western imposed status quo in each of those locations falls apart in which case uh some some new security reality uh status quo will will come to be and, and likely by way of force in some in some areas at least yeah my, my most recent podcast was with Mario Bojic uh a Serbian mm -hmm. a popular Serbian podcaster Mario Zna uh a podcast and you know Milorad Dodik um the head of the Republika Srpska in Bosnia he's he's talking about uh, kind of like as what you're saying by 2030 this current uh, arrangement is not going to exist he's talking about independence for Republika Srpska even for mm -hmm. independence for Herceg Bosna the, the the Croatian part uh and so that's I guess a, a a region of the world to be watching um you know we're, we're down to two minutes to midnight by the way there's an interesting Guardian article the other day talking about British Petroleum BP basically backing Azerbaijan uh and you know, I'm wondering how much BP uh, was, was key to what what happened recently because you know we can go back to 1953 right when at BP's behest CIA mm -hmm. and MI6 overthrew Iran so it's interesting to see Guardian talking about BP backing uh Azerbaijan but uh we've got a minute and a half left you know any other thoughts on this or even the economy which Colonel McGregor says that America is facing uh financial Armageddon uh you know any other thoughts BP has been a prominent force in Baku for a very long time so that just doesn't come as a surprise um ordinarily I try to stay in my lane I'm not an economist I never worked in finance but I just don't see how we keep the wheels on this car uh with the amount of debt uh at, at all levels you know right individual you know every level of government um I think that there's likely to be some kind of economic cataclysm or at least serious serious recession something along those lines that talk to takes all the other things we just mentioned and makes them all more difficult because it's more resource constrained and no one is going to be concerned about the abroad outside yeah, of the foreign I, policy world yeah I'm afraid to see what 2024 brings us I know you're a busy man Lee uh Lee Slusher but you know you need to do a bit more sub stacking uh 40 seconds left tell us where are the best places we can find you and the services you offer sure lee-bt.com uh, has everything and uh, I was recovering from some medical issues but I'm gonna I'm back on the sub stack now all right very cool look forward to that thank you for joining me uh my first video broadcast today so uh very cool uh for you to, I, to be i with would us. have worn a jacket and shaved i didn't know so sorry <laughs> about that
next time. Yeah, no, no. Next time. Yeah, no, no, pro, no, no worry. Thank you. And uh, Steve Malsberg is up next. So everyone stay tuned. I'm signing off. As Patrick McGuhan used to say, be seeing you.